battle against Gnosticism. Key point number one, John models for us how to love in truth. John models for us how to love in truth. Let's look. Second John, verses 1 through 3. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. John does an amazing job of, uh, in this letter. He does a few things that are very helpful. He begins by, uh, the letter by identifying his role. You know, see the very first words there, the elder. What he's doing is he's actually uh, beginning the letter by addressing himself. Uh, we, we don't typically do that in our writing today. We wait until the very end, and then we'll sign our, our name at the very end of the letter. Uh, it's very common in first century uh, to write letters and begin with who it's from and what they're writing about. So John begins this letter uh, by saying, The elder, he's been released from the island of Patmos, uh, where he was exiled. He has now returned to Ephesus. He's serving the church in some role as an elder. Now, what is an elder? What does that mean? The office of pastor has three hats. It's one office with three roles. And the scripture identifies these three roles as elder, pastor, and bishop. Short answer is this. An elder is someone who has experience in teaching. It's An elder is someone who has some knowledge of the scripture and they are teaching. That's an elder. The, the next word is pastor. The word pastor means to shepherd. So a pastor not only teaches, a pastor should shepherd. And then the third hat uh, is that of bishop. Bishop just means overseer or administrator. So every pastor wears three hats. A pastor should be a shepherd, you know, pastoring, caring for a flock. A pastor should be a teacher of God's word. And a pastor should be an administrator, all three roles, elder, pastor, bishop. And John is appealing to his role as a teacher. So when he begins the letter, the elder, what's he doing? He's saying, as your pastor teacher, I have something to teach you. I have something worth you paying attention and listening to. He is appealing to his role as a teacher. He has some instruction for this house church. So if John was writing to one of the house churches in Ephesus, and I believe that he was, a place where he now lives and serves, keep in mind he has already written the book of Revelation. He already wrote it. And if you reflect, within the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I want you to write down some things concerning seven churches. What was one of those churches? The church at Ephesus. It's no surprise to me that in the back of John's mind would be what Jesus himself said about the church at Ephesus, the church that he's now serving in. I mean, he was on the island of Patmos when he wrote it. He leaves, and he goes to Ephesus, and now he's in Ephesus, and you, you think he just forgot what Jesus said about Ephesus? No. He knows exactly what Jesus said about Ephesus. What did Jesus, how did he describe this church? Well, if we look back in Revelation chapter 2, John wrote down the words of Jesus and how he described Ephesus. And he described them as a loveless 
church, a loveless church. He says, you've forgotten your first love. In fact, he says this, you've done good. Your teaching is good. Your teaching is good in Ephesus. But I have this against you. You've lost love. You've lost the love for one another. I think John was fully aware of that. And as he's writing this house church in Ephesus, what does he naturally emphasize? I want you to know the love of Christ. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Christ has already uh, seen something within us where we have forgotten our first love, and we've got to return to that. It's so important. It, it, It makes his impression of love all the more significant. So consider this. Can we do something this morning? At the end of the message, and I'll, I'll even remind you, but before we, before we start tearing down, before we start taking down backdrops and chairs and tables and lights, before all of that happens, can I invite you to do this? I want you to identify five people, five people in the room for, to whom that you could express the love and truth of Christ just through a simple, kind word. Perhaps something like this. This, this is a sample. With the love of Christ, I'm thankful for you. With the love of Christ, I'm thankful for you. Could you do that? Could, could you find before, I mean, before, the, I mean, it's so tempting to get up and start folding chairs and start moving things around. Can we do this? Can we make sure that as a church, we never lose sight of our first love and that is the love of Christ, and that we demonstrate that to one another. Because we can sometimes get into the motion of doing the routines that we forget our first love and forget to express that love to one another. So f- identify five people. Identify five people. If you want more, if you want to, you know, it's a, 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 you know, maybe every single person in the room, that's up to you. But express, I love you with the love and truth of Christ that abides in me. Listen, John's expression of love is so important because he has this backdrop of Jesus has said our church has lost love and I want them to know that that's so important. And I, and I, as I read through it, it gave me a whole new perspective. In fact, here's what it made me think of. If I were to sit down and write the same thing to you, It might sound something like this. As your pastor, as as an elder, as someone who teaches the Word of God to the church of Grace Point, I want you to know that I love you deeply with the love and truth of Christ. I care for you. And I rejoice when I see you walking in truth. I rejoice when I hear stories of how you're sharing your faith with one another. And I want you to know that not only do I rejoice, but I rejoice with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are at other churches and other states, and I let them know what God is doing here. And I want you to know that people that you don't even know are praying for you. They're praying for Grace Point Church. People that I know that live in Alabama, people that I know that live in Kentucky, people that I know that live in Tennessee, people that I know that live in all sorts of different places, they're praying. In fact, church, children of Grace Point, I get a, I get a Facebook messenger message 
every single Sunday without fail, about 5 or 5.30 in the morning from another pastor in Virginia. And that message is nothing more than a word of encouragement and a prayer. I want you to know that I'm praying for Grace Point this morning. I want you to know that I'm praying for you this morning as you, as you proclaim the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. Every single Sunday without fail, I can pick up my phone and I can look first thing in the morning and I can see he has already gotten up and he has already prayed for Grace Point Church. Someone that you, you have never met that lives in Virginia, a pastor of a church in Virginia, praying for you. And I want you to know that the love and truth of Christ is what binds us all together. Because the love and truth that abides within me, those who have believed upon his name have the same truth and love abiding within you, and it will abide within us forever and forever, and one day we'll all gather together in the grace and love of Christ. And may the grace and love and peace of Christ be with you all. Amen. Get his writing. I totally understand it. He's pouring out his heart for his love for this little this little house church that's meeting. And he's letting them know. I want you to know the love of Christ and his truth. And I want you to spread that love and truth to other people. 